Hello and welcome to the Comedians Our Loop podcast. I'm Nick Anthony and this week I'm joined by fellow comedian Nathan Gibbons. He's a London-based comedian and only started stand-up comedy last year. And he is already headlining shows and he has already taken up a show to Edinburgh. So he's progressed really fast. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Basically, for the listeners who haven't heard of you, please tell us about... You know, a, bit, a little bit about where you're from, a bit about your childhood. I grew up in London. Um, I was born in Norfolk Park Hospital, which is in Harrow, um, which explains why I'm a bit fucked up at the minute. Um, but I, yeah, um, I've lived there for 27 years, went to uni in Nottingham, Nottingham Trent, from about, what, 2010 to 2014. Um, and I got into comedy about a year ago, so May, 20, May 2018. Um what kind of got me started was I was sort of looking for, well, what kind of, how I could push myself, um, uh, like in a kind of non in a kind of non-physical way, because I've done a lot of things that I was scared of physically, like rock climbing and stuff. Yeah. But I was looking for something to terrify me mentally. And I thought, you know what, getting up on stage and trying to be funny, that is probably the most terrifying thing for a lot of people. So why not try I, it? I tell you what, walking through Harrow on a Friday night. <laughs> It's scary enough for me, yes. to be honest with me. I, don't, um, I, don't, I didn't grow up in Harrow though. I grew up in um, Char- I grew up in a place called Charles Hill, which is a little bit nicer, a little bit nicer than Harrow. Yeah. But yeah, I can kind of agree. Even though I do like, even though I do like Harrow a little bit. Like Harrow. <laughs> yeah. You pretty pretty harrowing. I found when I was there. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, so, it is. I'm always finding it interesting how people like. What was it that made you think that you could do comedy? Like, why? Well, in about 2007, I was watching. Um, actually, right, let me let me retract that. I've been watching comedy for like a long, for a very long time. Like from since I was about what 12, 13. Yeah. I've been watching people like Dave Chappelle and um, Chris Rock and like Jim Carrey do stuff and Richard Pryor. So I've kind of grown up a bit from childhood. But what kind of got me thinking that this is something that just anyone can not exactly anyone can do but it's something that other people can do is like watching people like Dane Cook and Russell Brand because what they do is they just like talk to the audience and I was like wow they're just talking and people are just like just listening to them speak and that's amazing so it was was slightly like empowering for you was it was it something that gave you an element of I don't know if you've if you've had a tough tough childhood, maybe like it's partly you regain control of your life by, yeah. by being the one in control on stage. Yeah, um, didn't have a tough childhood. I had a pretty good childhood. Just in case your parents are listening to that, I had a really really lovely 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 childhood. Um, but you, you were great parents. You brought him up well. He's, yes, he's very grateful. He made it here to Cambridge without killing anyone that he will that will disclose on here anyway <laughs> yeah what I think the main catalyst for um, me going into comedy potentially was being the eldest of three kids the eldest of three kids yeah and because those this is a sort of a joke but sort of like just something that's sort of come into my head I was like okay those two and a half years where I was just me and my parents I was the star of that show yeah, yeah, yeah. after those two and a half years I have never been the star of my, I've never been the star of my own show Right, I like that. I, att- I like that attention, and I okay. liked the fact that I had everyone's eyes pretty much on me. It's pretty much. It's, it is a drug. It is oh, it a drug. fucking is in it. Yes, and it's, it's very hard to explain it to other people. Like just yeah. the whole getting like around about fifty to eighty people in a room, laughing at something that you've written, is indescribable. Absolutely yeah. indescribable. 
On the flip side of that, um, it can feel absolutely awful sometimes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I remember my first I remember my first ever gig that I did because what I did was um, I did um, the Kate Smurfway comedy course so shout out to her, shout out to Kate Smurfway brilliant teacher um, and I, what I was doing in the comedy course was that they told us well, that at the end of it we'd have to do a showcase right yeah and so I thought to myself do you know what I don't want to bomb at the showcase right and it's a six week course so after like the first week I decided to take myself down to an open mic afternoon and okay. I'm not going to say the name of the place, right? Because, yeah, I might want to get booked there again. Um, <laughs> um, so I take myself down to the open mic, and it's literally just myself and three other com- three other comedians, and they were Bennett Kavanaugh, who was the MC, he was wonderful, Nick Adamson, also wonderful, and Chris Darwa, yeah, also amazing people, also amazing people, and um, there was literally no one in the audience, and it was just us. So my first gig was myself literally performing a five minutes like other comics yeah just like three other comics and you haven't lived until you've died in front of three other comedians like that but do you know what was quite nice they said that um, they I didn't tell them that it was my first gig oh okay good and they just and I told them afterwards I was like, oh yeah that's my first time getting on stage they, they was like really wow that's that's good you didn't use any I never used any notes or anything like that because I think yeah, yeah. That, like it, I think when you use notes I mean I can see why people do use them that it kind of breaks the illusion a little it kind yeah, of breaks yeah, yeah. the illusion a little bit and I kind of want to be surprised have an element of surprise myself like be surprised about what comes out of my mouth what I can remember and how much I can improvise to get back into a bit that I've created and how I can get myself out of a hole as much as anyone else can yeah so, yeah, yeah. Now, I think that kind of makes you a little bit more relatable as a comic. So the last time we met, we met our Healing Comedy Club, which is yes. a great, great comedy club. Um, Rudy's amazing. Oh. I've mentioned him a few times on the podcast. Great guy. But he's great amazing. Guy. He's amazing for new comics coming through and giving them opportunities and mm. stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, great guy. But I met you there, saw you perform, loved it anyway. Um, I just at the time one of the, he does this little feature where he, he just did this whole thing about what, what do you want to achieve out of 2019 and stuff and, <laughs> and, and, and yours was get to your 100th gig and I just wonder where you're at with, with that ah okay so that was the brand that was the New Year's one wasn't it the that's right yeah New Year's and yeah, one, yeah 28th yes. I think it was the 28th of December oh just after Christmas yeah yeah just after right, Christmas yeah. and that was a fucking rammed room wasn't it mm. absolutely rammed um, really, really busy. There were people like standing up and stuff. But it was insane. Um, I'm now on 54. 54 gigs, which so, is still yeah. relatively new. And it's re- yeah. So how how often are you managing to gig? Like once a week? Or? Um, two, three times. <laughs> two, three, three times, times a week. A week. Um, yeah. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing it just as consistently as possible. Yeah. Um, well, mainly because I I love it, but also I'm doing Edinburgh this year, so I've got you to. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna plug my shit right now yeah yeah so, so what are you okay so what's the are you taking up a whole show to Edinburgh um, I'm doing a comp, um, um, it's me and two other comics it's me Duffy Connors and um, Charlene Jahan we're doing a we're doing a compilation show called The Tick Boxes oh okay because she um, because of our different racial and gender and ethnic backgrounds we all tick they're basically the boxes that you tick properly on a job application oh so, okay okay um, so yeah we're gonna, it's going to be an hour show it's going to be at Dropkick Murphy's Bar throughout the whole month so that's going to be in our show where each of you get like uh, what 20 minutes 20 minutes well a tight 17-ish 
Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, once we settle the crowd down and stuff, it'll be like it'll be about tight seventeen. Okay. So, so how are you going about? I mean, because generally, you know, spots are usually five to seven minutes. Usually, how are you? How are you building that? Um, time that they, you know they practice for that well Rudy bless him um, he often gives me 10 spots yeah um, and we and I saw your headlines yes. for him once yeah yes that's right um, so he gives me back in, fe- back in February right yeah. yeah and he gives me like ten, yeah he gives me quite a few 10 spots um, and also I we're doing a work in progress our first work in progress this this Thursday as well at, at Healing Comedy as well so Rudy's going oh, okay to... so how, how long how long are you going to get there an hour an hour oh, okay so he's doing a Healing Comedy Club he's yeah. going to MC it is he um, I guess so yeah yeah yes, and then and then you three are just going to be the only ones performing we'll, yeah we'll be the only ones performing from like six till se- from six till seven. Oh, okay before and may- maybe not even an audience but fuck it who cares who needs them yeah um, yeah um but yeah it'll be in, it'll be the three of us just performing and trying all of our stuff out together for the fir- together for the first time okay so who are you doing that with i mean as in are you doing that with pbh or doing it with underbelly or who laughing horse laughing horse okay are they one of the free they are one of the free ones yeah Yeah, yeah, so shout out to them thank you so much (laughs) I will be forever sucking your dicks okay (laughs) I'm not I don't know I don't know what they partake in sexually but Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'd be very happy to have their dicks sucked yeah why not So um, uh, do you have to go and do like how long? How long are you going to be up there? Well, how long for the whole run? month, man? We for the whole month. Um, we originally planned to do it for just the middle two weeks of August. Yeah. But they just gave us a slot for the hot. They gave us um, a full run. Wow. It was like okay. I'm li- we're literally doing thirty one nights of thirty one nights of comedy, and that's going to be insane. Okay. And I think like just probably the probably the best learning experience as well so what gave you the confidence to do that I mean what to do what to do to, the fringe or to yeah, do the comedy in general well no not, not, the, not comedy just it's quite a big thing going up there for a yeah. whole month to go and do 20 minutes over and over again every day yeah um, I think it's the thing that because a lot of people told me sort of not to do it in the first year yeah a lot of people told, gave me the advice saying oh if it's your first year, just go up and enjoy it. You just go up, maybe do a few spots. Like, just don't don't take up a show. Don't take up. Don't you won't want to take up a you won't want to take up a show, right? Mm. So because people told me not to do it, you I decided to do it. I decided to do it. Yeah, but I think I tried to. I think I disobeyed their advice the most sensible way by doing it with a group of people instead of yeah, trying yeah. to take up an hour. Because I've heard horror stories of people that have done comedy. Uh, uh, um, in their first year and t- tried to take the hour up and then just completely died yeah, yeah. and so I think this is the best way to do it personally so I can actually improve myself as a comic yeah, yeah. and also just to get the experience of it mm. so I think yeah that's probably why that's probably why I did it because I know it is a bit of a ballsy move isn't it to be fair and it's a bit of a it's yeah. sli- it is slightly narcissistic in a way isn't it because you're trying you're you're saying that yes, you are good enough for people to to actually have an hour. It doesn't come naturally to tell no. yourself that you are good enough to do those things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like Edinburgh is amazing. They, 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 their audiences up you know, up in Edinburgh all year round are amazing. Anyway, they're renowned for being brilliant audiences, and they mm. they, they love to love comedy, but they, yeah. they hate it around that time. Yeah, um, because not, yeah. Edinburgh gets taken over by. Those people like us yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and and lots and lots of tourists but you London has such a vibrant scene right it and, does and yeah it's 
I've I've noticed in London whenever I've taken my stuff to London, like wherever I go, I, I generally get I get a general sort of good crowd, and yeah. get a good laugh, and I can do a lot of a lot of my sort of I don't know maybe darker stuff, and it seems to go down well with enough people for it to be good enough. And, yeah, and you can do you you know you can get really good really quickly in London and get your five minutes really good in London, but. One of the things that I and a lot of the comics notice um, from doing gigs and, and booking London people and stuff is that they completely underestimate the fact that we have a different audience. Yeah. Like, wherever you go, there's a different audience. Because in London, you could never leave London and you could think you're the best comic in the world yeah. because you've killed it in hundreds of different places in London. Right. But until you take it to another city like Cambridge or somewhere like Bristol, you know, you don't really know how good that is or how, how, how like, applicable that is to more people. So yeah. have, you, have you ventured much out of London? I haven't yet, but I'm, I've got some dates. I've got, well, I've got a date outside of London. I've got a day outside of London in, um, in April yeah. but I'm going to be going to Nottingham oh, okay. I'm, doing 10 minute, I'm doing 10 minutes at the Canal House so yeah that should be that's that. but I completely understand what you're saying because they do get into that there is that bubble isn't it they, yeah, you yeah. kind of think that like London is the be all and end all when it's fucking not man honestly like, well there's a great scene and you can yeah. I mean I see I see like You'd never get that. You'd never get people to come in Cambridge uh, for a gig at two o'clock in the afternoon. No. And they're like, a, do you know what I mean? I, I look at gigs and they're, they're booking like on a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm like, I can't get out of work for that. What's not? But it's great if you're a new comic because you can get so much stage time. I would live in London purely to get good, yeah, and then venture out. Um, uh, but I think like living in London, I think if you do that in London, and the same because as someone who does it in London, you can get quite comfortable with. The London kind of the London kind of humour. Yeah. So uh, what? Well, I'm it's very diverse. Yeah. I think that you can do, you could divide a room. Yeah. But that's fine because half the people are going to love what you do, half of them maybe not so much. But it yeah. doesn't matter. You got enough laughs because half the room liked it. So. I kind of I died on my I actually died on my ass a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago when I was emceeing actually. Nah. So I mean I um kind of allu- I kind of alluded to the fact that um I was fo- I was following another comedian's joke and the first part of it worked because he was talking about being being woke and I said that you know I, I consider myself quite a woke person but I'm, I've been woke for so long now that I'm starting to fall asleep and I started like mimicking actually falling asleep so, um, being quite awake and then um, falling asleep saying yeah Trump's bad Trump's bad but uh, he's got the economy he's got the economy back up and he's um, and Hillary was a ter- Hillary was a terrible candidate for the Democratic Party but no Trump's awful and then died absolutely died and I was like didn't okay work. didn't work no but yeah, yeah. How did you pick it up from there? How did you then recover the the night? I just said, yeah, yeah, that didn't work. Do you want to go? Yeah. And they was like, they kind of liked the fact that I acknowledged that it didn't work. Oh, okay. And so it, they, they just carried on and they were fine. So for your MC set, do you do when you when you started? Do you do like an do you open with your five minutes of material or I do you open do? with about. 30 seconds of my 30 seconds of my of uh, my written material so I'll say hello to the audience which I don't do now when I walk when I walk on stage and I'm not emceeing no um, I say hi to the audience and then I'll do the 30 seconds of my op- of my opening line which usually which works quite well um, and then I'll go into the whole spiel of this is a new app mater- this is a new app new material night so mm. this means you're going to be seeing some people who have been on the circuit doing the, doing the same shit over and over again and you'll be seeing some people who've done it for the first time blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. and I'll say has anyone and before that I'll say has anyone been here before 
give me a cheer if you haven't been here before and then I'll say hi to them welcome them in so, and then I'll go to the new new material and I'll sort of there welcomed in and then I'll say something like right that's enough army are you guys ready for your are you guys ready for your first act oh, okay and then the show goes on the show goes on from there and then what I try and do is whilst I'm consuming as many beers as, I, as, as many free beers as I can um, I'll try and pick up on a subject that the comics talked about and then bounce off from that for about 15 set for about 15 seconds maybe hopefully get a laugh and then bring the next comic on just try okay. and keep the energy up or bring the energy down if I know that there's an act coming on who isn't as high energy as the last per- as the yeah, last yeah, person yeah. Well, then on because I think that's also an important part of an MC because you've got to try and bring the audience up but you've got to try and level them out as well yeah absolutely yeah that's true that's true so you enjoy it I hate MCing man like really? I <laughs> I, I've done it once actually I've only ever done it once really I went no okay so that's a lie really I used to do a lot of MCing prior to doing the comedy years back I, yeah. did, I did do a lot of MCing to be fair but I you know it's different. I hadn't done it for years and I did it not long ago and I was I just didn't enjoy it okay. I just found it hard um, but that's, that's it, just, is, it is difficult though yeah. isn't it? it is fucking difficult it's purely because it's purely because um my set and my persona as as an act is very different to what I would do on my MC set. Yeah. So if I'm doing it, a lot of people do MC and to get more time to do some material, to try a few extra jokes, to get some more stage time. Um, but for me, it doesn't really help because it takes me away from what I want to do anyway. So yeah. I know, because my stuff can be quite deadpan, I know you could be, I could do the sarcasm thing and stuff like that. But then again, I just, if I go down like, a dark route you just can't do that with an MC yeah and that can be quite I reckon that can be quite difficult to bring an audience back up from that yeah I mean yes yes um, and I tried some dark stuff and it didn't work and it works everywhere else (laughs) yeah as as an actor gets brought on but I I usually if someone if an MC then builds me up before I get on it goes oh yeah we've got Luke Anthony he's going to be amazing he's going to be awesome I'm like oh Jesus Christ I can't believe you just just introduced me and you completely big me up and I'm just about to bring the energy right back down again thanks for that I wish you hadn't but yeah Um, so I do yeah even though I don't do the lineup because it's always the person who does the promotion does the lineup um, if I know the act is quite a low energy one I'll just be like alright guys welcome to the stage Luke Anthony yeah, yeah, but if it's someone that's quite injured, yes, guys, welcome to the stage. Da, 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 da. You've got to change yeah. the pace. Yeah. Of course you do. You got to do that. Mm. All the best MCs do. Like shout out to Danny Walsh and Rudy Ilias. Hello. Have you managed to bridge the gap between like standard open mic nights to like comedy clubs? I've never done a standard mixed open mic night. I've only done. Like open mic comedy clubs. Like I've never. So where was your first comedy club? Was it well, Healing? No, it wasn't Healing. Oh, okay. Um, you don't have to say if you don't and want not, to. And that was that was the that was the um, that was the gig where I did it to three people. To three oh, people. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm keeping that one. The only thing I I do <laughs> get more nervous when I perform to less people in a sense because I yeah. think well I'm probably going to have to spark a conversation with these people at some point and if yes. I thought on my ass it's going to be a bit annoying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, however. The actually the the implications of dying on your ass in front of three people are slightly less than dying in front, in front of, of like eighty people yeah. plus well well 
25 comedians, well, 20 comedians plus 20 or so audience members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You die in front of those and you go back to the same comedy club there, I remember you. Yes, exactly. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, I've never done like a, I've never done one where there's music hats on as well, oh, unless, really? it's, unless it's like a musical comedian. Comedian, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Ben Kavanaugh or Ollie Matthews I've mm. been on the bill a couple of times yes yeah, so I've never had that experience what was it mm. like for you um, what was it like for you it was alright because actually the first gig I ever did obviously went down a storm okay yeah it was It was. Uh, do you know what it was probably quite damaging actually because I did I did my first you know, five, five minute set that I still do now sometimes because it really? went down so well um I haven't actually changed much out of that, that particular set at all. I didn't need to. It'll be no. The only thing that's changed is probably stage presence and yeah. all that sort of stuff and how I use the microphone, how I move the stand and, you know, just general behavioural things. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but generally it went down really well. I managed... Because, you know, it's hard to engage a music audience when you're a comedian. And But for some reason, it just worked in that particular place I did it. Yeah, it was great. I've pretty much changed everything from when I started to now because... Um, I was being I was actually no, I wasn't being a bring I was um, I was at I was at TNT I was at TNT comedy and I did really well and I did I did quite well and it was Kieran Chillingworth who was my bringer at that point so hello to him he's been on actually he's, if you can get Kieran Chillingworth on your podcast do it alright amazing guy um, I feel like I've got myself uh, an agent yes <laughs> and I remember this conversation like it was yesterday and he's, he just said oh, okay so how much of that was that was really good but how, how much of that was actually true and I was like oh well I work in a school that's the true bit and he was like oh uh, none of the rest of it was true and I was like um no, it wasn't. It was slightly exaggerated, and I kind of like started to like you know like saying, "Oh yeah, I did this, but I just exaggerated it." And like you know, um, you got to do it for comedy. He was like, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah," but um, I just, I just thought some of it was true, and that kind of really like struck chord with me. It was like, okay, I saw okay, that wasn't true. That was a bit of a lie, and I shouldn't have like overregged it as much as I did. So I kind of looked at what was actually true in my life and the set that I've got one of the sets I've got is still similar to what I did back then mm. but I've managed to make it a lot more make it more accurate to what has actually happened in my life and yeah I think that because of a lot of funny shit that's actually happened in my life with work and everything else yeah I'd like to think easy. that as a kind of comedian I'd, I'd hope by the time you've got yourself onto stage to start talking to people yeah that you you have enough. Enough's happened to you to push you to the the extreme, yeah, or to the adversity that you have to go on stage and start talking to sadistic audiences. Because that is basically what it is. Why why do we get on stage to talk about the most embarrassing things in our lives? And we should you should be talking. It should be true. Yeah, like, exactly. Why, and I'm sure. I mean, I attract stuff. I attract things. Things just seem to happen to me. Yeah. That help me write ten minute sets, ten minute routines. Yeah, that's it. And it's really annoying in a way because life is a bit awkward yeah, because of it. it. Yeah, yes. but awesome because I can write about it. So I'd hope there's not there's no need for me to make stuff no. up. However, uh, yeah. However, based on that, you, every comedian there's not one comedian in this world that doesn't overreg true stories. Of course, stories. So. you can, can yeah. overreg a true story, but like you still got to be um, there's still got to be a, a, a like seventy percent of truth, maybe like 70 percent of truth. I'd yeah, say yeah. Mm. Um, because otherwise it's just a bit it's just a bit disingenuous sort of thing yeah and, and a lot of a lot of comedy is meant to be honest anyway people are meant to believe you yeah throughout your set you know 
and it's harder to lie and remember yeah. a lie unless you record it and remember exactly what you said how you yeah. said it but. I mean I won't mention the comedian's name because he's actually a really nice per- they're actually a really nice person and yeah. I was speaking to this person after a gig and I asked oh so how much of what you said was true so like, oh none of it it's like ah you're just a really good writer fuck you <laughs> So you're so you're off to Edinburgh. You're going to take us. Yeah, you know, we have 20 minutes, 17 minutes set over to Edinburgh. Yeah, that's it. Where are you at with your building your first hour? Building the first hour. Yeah, because because you know you get your five minutes, you do that over and over again. You then get to your 10 minutes, and obviously you progress to a 20 minute slot. Yeah. Where where are you with the, the one hour? I think the one hour, I'm gonna potentially try and build whilst I'm actually at Edinburgh as well. Okay. Because. I'm going to be doing I'm hopefully going to be I'm obviously going to be doing the um, the run at Dropkick Murphy's right yeah but I'm also going to be trying to do open mic spots whilst I'm there as well yeah, where yeah. I'm going to be doing material that I'm not going to be doing on the as one of the tick boxes right okay so to do that I think that'll help me to build up an hour's worth of, I think that'll help me to build up an hour's worth of material and I've also got like a like whenever I'm out, I'm almost almost always guaranteed to like have a thought in my head and then like just like literally note it down on my phone and then so I can. Do you have a dictaphone? I don't, but I like write it. I write it down. Straight away on your notes. Yeah, yeah. I literally write down my notes. And so it's something that I can always. Come, I've got like about fifty things that I haven't used yet. Yeah. But I can always come back to and build on. So yeah, yeah. I mean, ninety percent of them may never be used, but no. it, you got to keep writing. Apparently, there's a study that if you, the, you know, do you ever, you know, you go to bed and and sudden have this sudden all the time. You know, like this, this sudden like rush of ideas mate, that you should just mate, all get the up time. and do all so, the time. Mate, I heard that there was a study that if you stop getting up and writing or you know creating something from that that you know inspiration you get at night. If you stop doing that, your your brain will automatically stop giving you those moments. So apparently, you're meant to just follow whatever. If you're if you don't you know, because I had one recently where I, I was just about to I was just drifting off and someone just hit me, and it was basically answered all the questions I had about my own set. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the amazing link that I can put in there, and it's just going to work with everything that I thought of doing. So ha- so do you do you get up and write? Do you get up and then do it? I get up and I will note it on my phone. Like I'll yeah. note whatever the idea is, whatever the premise is, I'll note it on my phone. And it'll usually be after a gig. Yeah. Right? yeah. Where maybe something hasn't worked as well as it should have mm. and I'm trying to think about why. But it's only when I'm in that relaxed state that the thought actually comes to me where it's like, Okay, this is it. This is the connection that you didn't make. Make sure you note this down. And once you've done that, you just want to get back on there and try and do it again. Yeah, that's with it. That, with that link. Yeah. Um, and nine times out of ten, it will work. Yeah, I think it's really important just to note down anything that you feel like could work because you have to try it, don't you? So so like like every most other comedians, you're also at a place in your career where you have a, like a day job. That, yes. That, that, that facilitates it and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. And getting on stage and talking about the stuff we talk about can it's very different to doing you know, speaking to colleagues and stuff yeah, like that. Like yeah. uh, there's stuff that I stay on stage that I could never get away with saying yeah. at work. After you've just done a gig and you've done this amazing thing, you've got your ruptures of applause and it's gone really well and it's gone amazing. I find it difficult to then get back to the normal life and making a spag ball but yeah. I tend to just go come off stage, 
go home, live a normal life as normal, then go back. Yeah. I mean, how do you divide the two, like a normal life? You see, life and I, comedy got, life? Um, because I work in a school, I work with teachers, even though I'm not specifically a teacher myself. I'm a learning, yeah. I'm a learning mentor. For those of you who don't know, who that is I work with some of the more lively children in a challenging yeah individuals yes in a secondary school but i come into contact with most of the people i come in contact with are teachers right Mm. and there's a very like the line between stand-up comedian and teacher is almost non-existent you've got it's almost non-existent like you because i mean you're doing stand-up you've got to try and control an audience of about about 30 40 30 people um when you're doing when you're a teacher, you've got to try and control a classroom of 30 to 40, 30 people. Yeah, yeah. And um, so really, like, because they're so similar, I don't always have to differentiate, I don't always have to differ- differentiate too much what how about I the am. content, though? The content. Obviously, I'm not talking about sex and stuff constantly in school. <laughs> but if you, Do you swear on stage much? I not much not much but that's just like not in, that's not intentional it's just because, like because for me comedy is an impulse yeah right so it's not I have impulses all day every day yeah I've, <laughs> not sexual impulses uh, <laughs> all day every day <laughs> I am a man I can't control these things but I, I do I do have impulses I do have comedy impulses someone will say something and I find it very difficult yeah, yeah. to stop myself yeah. jumping in and saying something very funny about yeah. it. Right, which in that case would be completely taken out of context and taken wrong. Yeah. Which would get me sacked. Yeah. I say on stage, ruptures of applause yeah. and laughs. I did that the other day, but I was at I was at a friend's house. So and I just sort of because I te- actually no, these two are actually teachers as well, but they were a bit like they're a bit more conservative in their te- in their teacherish attitudes, mm. right? Um, I made a quick remark and it died uh, and it died a slow death and I was like well that didn't work did it (laughs) (laughs) and that got the laugh back and I felt good again and that that was just in a normal life (laughs) that was in a normal life yeah yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I don't I don't ride on those things I just think that I, I have to convince myself that my, I belong on stage yeah and that I am I am naturally funny with people yeah and, but nothing that I say with my friends can ever work on stage it's, I'm definitely not the funniest person in my friendship groups no definitely it's not. often the case it's often the case so, so you don't you don't find a struggle between dividing the two no not really because like I'm quite a sarcastic person in real life anyway insufferable I can tell you that now insufferable <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's only so much of this that's actually recorded. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm quite a sarcastic person in life in general, so it it doesn't really. Obviously, obviously, it's just less. I'm a bit less lewd, a lot less lewd when I'm oh, okay. in my working life. Mm. Um because you work with children, you'd be yeah. sacked if you. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> t- tell me about the first time you completely bombed. Completely bombed. Right. I've done a few, man. Uh, no, the first time. The f- oh, oh, first time. Because no, when you get in and you, you do... Okay, apart from uh, the first gig that you did, you said there was the first one was where... Yeah, but that, I didn't completely bomb that gig. No, I okay. Com- yeah. I oh, okay. just one that you came out and you questioned whether you could do it. Yeah, okay. I think it was the Queen's Hostel or something like that, okay. wasn't it? It was... It, um, sounds sounds uh, remarkable. Oh, do you know what? It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's, no, it, was, it, it, it got bombed. It, it, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, Q, um, the, QM, um, the QM Hostel, that's it. It doesn't exist anymore because I think the person who ra- he the person who runs were that you, game, Were you that bad on stage that he just had to shut down the whole it, yeah, fucking show? Yeah, it was terrible. Show. Fucking awful. Yeah. Um, 
No, but in all seriousness, you know, you get off that stage and you know it didn't go well. Like, literally, I walked into the... I'd already I'd, um, done another gig the afternoon and it hadn't gone as well as I thought it would. But someone had said, oh, there's a spot there, maybe a spot here, do you want to come to this other gig? And I was like, all right, okay, fine, great, I'll come along, right? And um, I wait, and I walk into the place and it's literally a hostel, right? We are performing. In the pro- we're perform. Okay, there's not a real stage, right? Um, we're performing in front of a lounge, basically. So we got people who are using the hostel, booking in and walking through and sitting by and sitting so you're talking behind. across people, basically walking past you and stuff. Yeah, essentially, yeah. that didn't really happen too much, but like the room was just a horrible vibe. Anyway. Um, I like the MC. The MC's great. It's Aaron Shipper. He's he's a great person. If you can get him on before he goes back to America, I'd do it. But um, what happened was no one did well that night. Okay. No one did well, and it was one of those rooms like because it was just it's it was a just I think the, I think to get a good comment to get a good comment that going right, you have to have the right room as well. That is very it's uh, true. Yeah, that I is mean, very important. I was very specific on when I set up the comedy club that I had a room. Yeah. I had, like, my own function room that wasn't in the middle of a pub. No. Purely because people that come in are then there for the comedy. They're not there to order a drink from the bar. They're not there to walk past you to the toilet. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what happens is I... Everyone else dies, and I haven't laughed at anyone, really, because it it just wasn't very funny. Right? Okay. I walk on and I start my then set. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember what it, I can't remember how it's. Uh, oh, yeah, it was. Um, I said something like, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm mixed, uh, that I know, I'm mixed race. And I can't remember what I said afterwards, but it got a tiny laugh. Yeah. And then that was it throughout the whole set. And then there came a bit where I simulated um, ejaculate, I simulated wanking, mm-hmm. and um, using and uh, using a bottle and like a half full bottle and like it spraying out. And that's just not something that I would just no one ever ever does. So I I've, I've done it. So I managed to get the crank one working. You ever heard of the crank? What's the crank one? Um, when you're single, yeah, you just had a breakup. You have a crank. Again, <laughs> it's called crying and wanking at the same time. Oh. But if you, but if you time it well enough, you can use the tears as lubrication. Ah, oh, but it wasn't. It wasn't even anything to do with relationship. What it was was I was um, saying that a kid that I'd worked with at the school I used, at one of the schools I used to work with yeah. was rude to me one time. So I try. I said something like, "Oh, do you know what I really wish would happen at that point? Every time someone's rude to you, they'd have to like go back in time." and watch their parents conceive them and then go inside their dad and then inja- then um, actually get oh my god ejaculate. yeah it's ejaculate hard to get an audience them. on your side with that yeah, one. Oh, yeah. do you know what I was you learn a lot from those kind of things you so learn so much obviously that didn't feel too good but I met but what did feel good is I met quite a few decent people out of that night um I met yeah. Aaron, Aaron Shipper, who's I mentioned oh, okay. before. Yeah. Um, I met uh, um, Aaron Shipper. I had him at my night recently. Yeah, have you? Yeah, he's yeah, good, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, uh, Ash Reeves, yeah. I met on that night as well. Yeah. Um, I met um, Paul Scarhill on that night as well. Yeah. So 
and also me and Aaron and someone that I was also on the comedy course with called Will Huaru who I don't think he does comedy anymore mm. but we all went out for a night in Brixton so not a complete loss but that was a real learning curve for me about okay, so how did you pick yourself up after that so you come off stage it, everything you say dies yep what's your next step um, next step I hung around for a bit and I spoke to Aaron and I spoke to uh, Paul and I spoke to Will as well about and I said okay that didn't work can I have some pointers please because I'm trying to learn here and they did and Aaron said to me right everyone's got a masturbation joke don't do it unless you can do something absolutely amazing with it and I was yeah, like yeah. okay that's perfectly that's perfectly fine and um, yeah from there I just I think I took a couple of weeks off to write and refigure out what I wanted to do um, and I didn't go completely into the truth at that point but I made things a little bit more truthful than they were obviously okay. they so it seems like you've, you've rewritten your stuff quite a lot ah oh, mate I've um, it's almost completely changed since the first time I started yeah but I still reuse older stuff but not the stuff I started with originally but is, but is that because you associate something negative to it what are the, you sure that that stuff isn't good like are you sure that with a bit of work that you couldn't get them to work if you, you know is that, is that just lazy writing where you could you could develop them and you could I mean I'm not saying waste your time with them yeah um I probably could develop it if I wanted to yeah. but I feel like I'm sort of starting to find my voice-ish within okay. this weird game and I think saying that well saying what I said back in the day I think that I'd just become too disingenuous okay because it's not uh, relevant anymore it's just not relevant yeah. anymore exactly and I feel like um, if I did go back to it it just I just know the fact that it's not true and it's not who I actually am yeah, or yeah. who I want not just who I am who I want to be perceived as as a comic right okay okay and I think that I'm starting to find my groove a little bit quite a bit now um, which is weird to say early on because I could completely change everything mm. but I like what I've become and how I've learned from those gigs that didn't go okay. so well right, does so that you, make sense yeah absolutely yeah yeah and how are your best gig? Best gig, right. <laughs> um, I've had... Can I mention a couple, actually? Or does just, that have to be just one? Just one of those that, you know, like, you, you die on stage. We, you know, we all die on stage, and we still do. Right. And we, we get off stage, and, and sometimes we just need a good gig to okay. go. Okay. Um, this isn't particularly... This isn't a gig that I did my best at, but this is a gig that I um, just did great at considering the circumstances okay okay yeah right I was at um, Battersea Power Comedy um, which is a great night if you're ever in London yeah Luke Chilton was the MC shout out to my man crush again yeah yeah Um, nice little link yes exactly yeah a little callback segue a little callback Um, and the place had double booked the room for a function upstairs right so we had the choice of either doing the gig either in the pub uh-huh. In, um, in front of the football this is like a few it's like like three weeks ago yeah in front of a football game alright blaring television yeah yeah or um, outside in the absolute freezing cold okay. right we decide instead of doing it in front of the blaring television we're going to do it outside in the absolute freezing cold yeah okay. 
This is where I did the R. White's fizzy drinks thing as well, okay. by the way. Yeah, so another nice little callback to those who, who are actually listening. <laughs> so, if they haven't already switched off by this Exactly, point, yeah, exactly. So what happens is Luke asks if I can be the one to bring him on stage. So be a sort of hype man. And I go, and then um, I'm the one that opens up the show, right, as well. Okay. I go on, hype him up, get the audience warmed up for him, go off stage, and... I take my jacket off and we're this is freezing cold temperatures and we're outside right so yeah, think, yeah. do you know what he's only gonna t- he's not gonna take too long because um, you know we're outside and stuff and I wanna like Did you have an audience yeah we had an audience yeah we had an audience um, I mean I, the whole idea is to get on a, there and to warm the audience yeah up, man it's a, it's a bringer night so they had yeah. to bring an, they had to bring an audience member to perform um, That's, isn't that abuse that's like almost abuse that is like we're going to bring you along to a gig I'm going to put you out in the freezing cold temperatures where you could get very ill Ooh. but also we're going to get an MC on this yeah. going to try and warm you up but actually it's impossible because you're actually really yeah. cold because it's freezing outside <laughs> so it's not even ever going to work <laughs> so what's the fucking point <laughs> Well, it, it, there is a point to this because it's the best gig he's ever had. Yes, so, yeah. Um, I just want to I just want to uh, apologise to Nick Everett, who was my bit, who was my bringer on that night. But yeah, anyway. Um, has, have you, has he thawed out since? Yeah, he's thawed out. He's got an Edinburgh show now, so he's he's doing right, right. He's doing all right. Um, so I take my jacket off, thinking, do you know, what? it's only going to be he's only going to be a couple, he's only going to be doing this for a couple of minutes. He does his stick for about five to six minutes I was like okay and then I walk on, then I walk on stage and it works everything I do works about uh, about 40% of the jokes I do work so that kind of told me in those kind of circumstances right if that can work in those yeah success rate is like 40% then about 90% of it would have worked in, a, in the normal night in the normal nice space okay so from an educational point of view you managed to get some bullshit statistic yeah. Out of that night that made you feel better about your Yes, set. yes. I asked this question to all the comedians, right? And aside from the obvious, you know, gig loads to get experience, to, you know, to get good, what advice would you give to comedians thinking about doing stand-up? You know, just really early on, coming into the world of, of stand-up comedy, what advice would you give them? What helped me, really, or what gave me the kick up the backside was actually spending money to do a comedy course. Because okay, it... I, I'm just going to interrupt there. Okay. Um, there is there is a divide and you need to say this there is a yeah. divide in within the comedy world and there's this there's element that comedy courses are a money pit right yeah and that some comedians are, I know I know for a fact that this would divide 50% yeah you know this would divide my listeners down 50% yeah. either way yeah. 50, 50 I agree yeah right some will say great do a comedy course get the experience I spoke to Nessie Ward he's done a comedy yeah. course yeah really helped her Right, another comedian would say, "Don't do them. You know, they're they're comedians that aren't selling out gigs, and they're just teaching other people because yep. they're making money off it." Right? It's not saying that one thing is correct or one thing is right or wrong. Of course not. This has worked for Nathan, and it's clearly worked for him. So, yeah. Did you do a course as well? Did you do one? I haven't done a course yet. Okay. Okay. I probably will, just to be more aware yeah. of what I'm doing on stage. Yeah. So. What the advice that Nathan wants to give is okay so what I will say is um, do a co- I'd say if you need to kick out the backside do a comedy course but do not wait until the showcase to do the open mic do not wait until the showcase to get on stage right I'd say do some writing in the first week after the course and then get on stage as soon as possible and then bring that knowledge 
back to back to the course and then learn and develop and then bring it on stage again learn what you do from the course bring it on stage learn from what you do from the course bring it on yeah. stage that's how I did it um, obviously have fun that's all I can say just enjoy it man if you want to be on stage like just enjoy yourself like just don't maybe like in your in your first few gigs don't be too tied down to your material because like you're because you're just growing and you're learning right so obviously I have something written and I have maybe a premise but maybe just be prepared to you know just improvise a little bit more and stuff like that and just just do it man just do it get on and do it what does the next year hold for you next year, next year um, is this part where I plug my is this the part where I plug my shit is it okay yeah yeah so what does the next year hold for you um, you're speaking so, about the, the Edinburgh Fringe and really I've got just more gigs to be, more gigs to be honest and um potentially like just looking to get more paid spots really honestly I paid think spots, yeah. paid spots and gigging more outside of London like I think that's really the the goal that I want to do like just expand, expand try, try your comedy in different places try comedy in different places like I don't want to say like gain a following or whatever I mean but, I, can, like, I just... can link you up with hundreds of different promoters outside of, oh, outside of London you. no thank worries you. that's fine just so yeah there's no there's no shortage of gigs outside of London it's just you have to travel for them that's all yeah that's fine so you want to just gig you want to, you want to venture out from London exactly like um, because I think London is even though it's quite metropolitan it is still it is it's a comfort zone it is a real comfort zone um, because you can say something in London and you could get like quite not so echo it can be a bit of an echo chamber yeah like people agree with you yeah and I kind of want to learn from people that I don't necessarily completely agree with even though I'm sort I'm quite sat bang in the middle politically yeah, yeah. I want to learn from all sides because no one in like, like, I'm telling you now no one in London will admit mm. to voting for Brexit even yeah, though I can no, guarantee you in a room full of 50 people at least 3 or 4 of them will have voted for Brexit but no one will admit to that because no one wants to seen that at the back it's only not a comedy gig <laughs> no exactly where do you want to go with your comedy where do I want to go with it to the top um, you want to sell out gigs yeah you want to be the, you want to uh, be the guy on the billboard I'll be honest with you I had half term re- I had half term recently and um, there was a point I gigged about three or four times that week right so I was literally just getting up and just going to a gig and I don't think I've really ever been at, in recent memory happier than when I was really doing that really yeah, yeah. and where, where you just you just sort of potter about that's it for like, 90% uh, of the day exactly potter about for 90% of the day um, get ready and then go to, go perform like yeah. and I was having a conversation with one of my t- um, a colleague who I'm quite good friends with and we were just saying that the whole working till you're the whole 9 to 5 to your 60 thing is just a bit of a sham and like who, whoever invented it is a prick <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the goal for me right now. Like, I'd really just want to get to a point with this where you can just chill out. Where I can just chill Long out. out. I still, I mean, I'd still want to do some stuff working with young people, working with kids, because I think that's part of my calling, right? But do you know what, man? I just am. I just want to not have to do the nine to five constantly, man. Yeah, yeah. Or to earn, and to be able to earn enough from this thing. I said this before in another podcast where. If I could earn the salary I earn now for my day job, doing comedy, then I'd be a happy man. I don't oh, need any yeah. more than that. If I could earn a, the good living that I earn now from my day job, yeah, doing comedy, I'd be very happy. To be able to wake up and have a choice to write anything that I want to write, you know, to create anything I want to create, go to the gym at any time I want to go to the gym yeah. during the day, yeah, 
you know, go for a walk yep. any time of the day that I want to go. And then just rock up at 8 o'clock, do an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, yep. tell some funny jokes, get a whole a whole crowd of people laughing, and then just go home, yeah. make spaghetti bolognese the next day, and just carry on my normal life yeah. with my missus. And that is like the closest you can get to being <laughs> um, happy. Anything to plug? Yeah, man. Okay, so on March 14th, I'm at Healing Comedy. Uh, March 26th, I'm at Comedy 42, uh, which is a great night if you can get down to it. 28th, on March 28th, I'm at Healing Comedy again. April 3rd, I'm at Vauxhall Comedy Club for Big Spoon, for um, Big Spoon, which is hosted by Luke Chilton. Again, another yeah. name, another name drop. Um, April 8th, I'm at Funny Feckers at the Dean Swift. On April 10th, I'm venturing out of London to the Canal House in Nottingham. So yeah, that should be interesting. Come down for that. Back in London for April 17th which is two days after my birthday for um, the Hoxton Comedy Cabin. On May 3rd, I'm at the Griffin Pub in Brentford. And throughout the whole of August, obviously I'll have some gigs before then, but as I was speaking, I don't. Uh, throughout the whole of August, I'll be uh, as part of the, the tick boxes at Dropkick Murphy's Bar in Edinburgh. So come down to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. 31 days you'll be there. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Nick. Uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. It's been absolutely great being a guest for once You've and been a guest just for once. relaxing into this whole podcasting game and this whole interviewing game. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, okay. Anyone, any comedian listening, get yourself on this one because he's brilliant. What a wonderful conversation. You know, one of the things I, I really enjoy about doing these conversations with comedians is, is getting their opinions on, on different aspects of comedy and how you, how you get experience and how you get progression and, or get better at being a stand-up comedian and stuff. And, and I, you know, just from listening, if you listen to any of the conversations I've had in the past, some have done comedy courses, some haven't. Obviously, Nathan's done a comedy course and swears by it and, and thinks that his comedy course is very beneficial to him. But you get on the other side, people like Martin Westgate, who are opposed to comedy courses. They don't think they're the right thing to do. They think it's the only way to get good at something is to buy by doing it and you shouldn't necessarily have to spend 400 pounds on something that is uncertain and not guaranteed so i mean it's it's, it's an incredible it's a very very insightful debate i mean what about you do you as you know comedians out there do you have you done a comedy course are you thinking of doing a comic comedy course are you completely opposed to them please do get in touch you know you can follow me on twitter Give me a tweet or send me a message on Facebook. Luke A. Comedian is how you get hold of me on there. And maybe send me an email at hello at lukeantonycomedy.co.uk. I'd love to know what you think because one of the things that's become apparent from speaking to comedians just for this this podcast is, is how divided people are on, on the subject. So, you know, as many views as possible is amazing. That's going to be it from me, really. But please subscribe, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. If you'd like to send me some of your hard-earned cash to keep this podcast going, then run over to lukeantonycomedy.co.uk forward slash podcast and hit the donate button. That'd be very much appreciated. It does really help with the admin costs and all of that sort of stuff. For now, thank you so much. The next conversation i'm having with this is with a brilliant comedian called paul kerr please tune in for that as well and and yeah see you soon hello i'm luke anthony do you love hearing about the stars careers lives and mental health or meet the stars it's a brand new podcast all about that join me every week from wednesday the 2nd of december for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode 
Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member, which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.